Well, with the help of our God, we turn back to the portion of Scripture we read in Jeremiah. Old Testament, the book of the prophet Jeremiah, and the 29th chapter, and our text is in the 13th verse. Jeremiah 29, and at verse 13, And ye shall seek me, and find me, when ye shall search for me, With all your heart. Amen. This chapter is actually a letter. You can see that from the opening verses. And it was a letter that was written by Jeremiah the prophet when he was still left behind in the land of Judah. But there had been a An advance wave, if you like, of earlier exiles who have been taken away to Babylon. And in that first group of exiles, the Babylonians had taken away some of the the chief men, the elders, the prophets, the priests, and others of the population as well. Now, many of of these other prophets who have been taken away were, in fact, false prophets. And until the point of the exile, they had been saying flat out, there will be no exile. The Babylonians will never take the city. God will deliver us. There is no judgment upon us for our sins. And many of the people believed what these false prophets said. But now, of course, we think the game is up. Now they're in Babylon. Now they are exiled And you'd think that these false prophets would keep quiet and hope that no one remembered what they had said beforehand. But no. Instead, they carried right on trying to cover their false prophecy with another false prophecy. And they were prophesying now that, well, don't worry, it's just a blip. We'll soon be back again. God has spoken to me and revealed that it is just a A short-term thing will soon be back in the land. And again, you would think, having already been shown to be utterly wrong, the people were in no danger of listening to them. Who would listen to them? But no, again, the people had been hearkening to this and believing that they would soon be back. It's what they wanted to believe. And so it comes then up to pass that Jeremiah is given a true word from the Lord. But Jeremiah is in Judah. And so he has to send it by letter to these exiles. And he instructs them clearly. You need to make a life for yourself where you are. You're going to be there for some time. You need to get a job. You need to work hard. You need to plant. You need to reap. You need to have your families married off. Don't think. That you'll soon be home. They were going to have to stick it out for 70 years. So they might as well build their homes and get on with life as best they could. And instead of raging against Babylon, they were to recognize it was their own disobedience. And it was God's chastening hand of judgment that had caused them to be exiled. And so rather than rage against Babylon and hate Babylon, they were to seek the peace 
of the city where they were. And yet the Lord promised, even to these disobedient people, that after 70 years of exile, they would return again. And so there are, in verse 10, that promise, after 70 years be accomplished, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. And then comes some of what must be surely the warmest and most comforting words of the Old Testament there in verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. They were going to be returned, but it would not be handed to them on a plate. They would have to cry to the Lord for this. They would have to plead the promise that he had given them and seek him earnestly. But God would bring them back again. That was sure. Well, that's the context of what's happening in our chapter here and of our text this evening. The urgent cries of these exiles in Babylon pleading the promises that they will yet be returned to their land. And so we have this text, and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Let's look a bit more then at this words of our text. First of all, the promise of seeking the Lord. I want us to begin with the promise that is here, the promise of seeking the Lord. Look at the words, ye shall seek me and find me. How sweet these words must have been for the, the Jews away there in Babylon. You shall seek me and find me. You see, they were so cut off. They were so disoriented in spiritual things and religious things. How would they ever make their way back? They were so deprived. So much, if you like, of the, the apparatus of their religion had been lost to them. How could they begin it again? There was no temple anymore. It was destroyed. There were no sacrifices to be offered. There was no altar. There was no priesthood in, in active service anymore. There were no feast days. There was no day of atonement. How could they find the Lord? They'd been cut off from all these things. All the usual trappings of their religion were stripped away. And yet there was this promise they would still find the Lord. They would seek him and search for him and they would find him. They would not be utterly bereft of the comfort and presence of their God. That was their promise. And there is a promise here too to the needy sinner this evening. Because by nature we are all like exiles. Exiles from the presence of God. Whenever we were sent out of the garden of Eden. When we fell in Adam, we were exiled from the near presence of God. We came under the judgment of God. How will we ever make it back? We are punished for our sins, cut off from God. We might think, I'm beyond salvation. I'm beyond the sight of God. God is beyond my reach. And yet, listen to this promise. Seek me and find me. That is good news. Surely that is good news for some poor sinner here tonight. This is not good news, this promise. Now there are some things we can say about this promise further. 
We can say it's a clear promise, isn't it? It's not a hard promise to understand. Verse 13, ye shall seek me and find me. It's not written in difficult language. It's not very obscure, hiding away somewhere. It's not wrapped up or covered over by by parables and sayings dark of old that we can't really fathom anymore. It's not lost in some Hebrew idiom or metaphor that doesn't make sense to our ears anymore. This is as clear as day, as plain as the ground beneath your feet. Seek me and find me. And so then everyone amongst us tonight, still unsaved, everyone here in that condition, we can all grasp this, surely. We are sure tonight then in this sermon that we are not speaking above the heads of anyone. The children here tonight can understand this word and this text. God is promising by a firm commitment that if you seek him, you'll find him. It's a wonderfully clear promise. And it's so clear. I want to try to draw in as many as possible into these words. If you seek him, you'll find him. Notice there's no, there's no small print. Maybe you think, that doesn't apply to me. Why might you think that? Well, you might think, I've tried seeking him before and I didn't find him, so it's not talking to me. But even if you already tried to seek the Lord, and in that seeking you feel you didn't find him, this verse still applies It makes no mention at all of past failed applications. Doesn't mention that at all. Suppose you have before counted yourself a seeker. But nothing came of it. You never got anywhere. But if you look at these words, you are not excluded. It's a clear promise to all. It's not only a clear promise. It's a repeated promise. And by that I want to take you forward into the New Testament. It's always good to compare Old and New Testament. And we can go right down into the the Gospels of Christ and listen out to the very voice of the Saviour. Listen to the voice of Jesus as he repeats this promise there in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. Ask, he says, and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. And if that repetition isn't enough. We have it again a few gospels later in Luke's account. And I say unto you in Luke 11 verse 9. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find Knock and it shall be opened unto you, for every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth unto him that knocketh, it shall be opened. This is a repeated promise. And so the words of Jeremiah there in our text, applied as they were in the first instance to these exiles in Babylon. Well, Jesus isn't talking to the exiles in Babylon because they're long since come back. But he takes these promises and he applies them to who? To sinners who must seek him. But if they seek him, they will find him. And he has no hesitation at all 
the Lord Jesus Christ in giving the exact same clear promise that Jeremiah had given or the Lord had given through Jeremiah to the exiles. Seek me and you will find me. And this surely means, dear sinner, tonight that you can grasp these words as they apply to you. You may truly seek the Lord. And if you do seek him, you truly will find the Lord. There is no exception to that. How wonderful it is to be bombarded in the scripture with such a wonderful promise. Repeated and then repeated again. A promise that is to your soul from the Saviour himself who has taken it forward from the days of Jeremiah and applied it to the gospel hearer. It is a repeated promise. It's more even than a repeated promise. It is a proven promise. It is good, isn't it, to get a promise. But do you know it's going to hold? Well, we know this one's going to hold because we can emphasise that this promise is sure and it is reliable. How can we do that? How do we know this promise holds? Well, because the exiles did return 70 years later. The promise stood. The Lord did hear them. And they did return once again to the land. And they were found of the Lord. You see, when Daniel, remember Daniel, Daniel and Lion's Den, the children all know that wonderful story. Well, Daniel was one of the exiles. And when he was now quite an old man, he was reading through his Bible. And he was reading through this very chapter. He was reading through Jeremiah. And he came across these words that are before us here in this chapter. And he hung all his hopes upon them. And he found them to be true. Daniel chapter 9 at the beginning says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek him. Because it says, it says if you seek me, you'll find me. And you'll get back to your land. So what we're dealing with here in this promise is a proven promise. We're not dealing with something that can be open to all sorts of interpretations and it might not seem actually mean what it seems to mean. This promise has already been used. It's already been tried and tested and tens of thousands of exiles leaned upon this promise and it brought them home. Jesus was not going to adopt for his own use a promise that turned out to be false, was he? He was not going to adapt it if it was manifestly untrustworthy. He used it because he knew it was reliable and because he knew that the people he was talking to could see it was reliable. And he knew that you, the needy sinner here tonight, would be able also to see that this promise 
is trustworthy and proven and reliable. And so this clear promise stands, seek me and you will find me. Let's move on then to a second point, which is the timing of seeking the Lord, the promise of it, first of all. Now let's come to the timing of it. You see, I want to speak about the timing in two ways. We can speak, first of all, about the time scale that is open to us tonight to seek the Lord. And the short answer, of course, is the time frame for seeking the Lord is now. We have, every one of us, a short period under the sun in this life. It's the now of the moments of our life that we must seek the Lord. Now, I want you to notice how long God gave them in Babylon. Do you remember how long it was that Daniel had discovered in the book of Jeremiah and is set before us? You know the answer is 70 years. How long is 70 years? 70 years is a lifespan. 70 years is a lifetime. And that this was the time scale in which Israel must, whilst they were in exile, seek the Lord and seek him with their whole heart that he would return them to the land. They had 70 years in which to do it. They were given this window of mercy. There they were in exile. It looked hopeless, but God said, no, you have 70 years. Seek me and you will be brought back at the end of it. This window of mercy, this day of grace was extended to them. They were not to abuse it, of course. They were not to presume upon it. When Daniel realized that the 70 years were nearly up, he didn't just fold his arms and sit back and wait and say, oh, well, we'll be brought back any day now. He set himself to fasting and prayer and calling upon the Lord, putting sackcloth upon his body, pleading with the Lord to remember this promise. No doubt he went on to tell others about it as well and say, it must be time now. Stir up yourselves. The Lord will bring us back. And dear friends here tonight, you too have this window. Your lifetime is your window. And we know how long it is expressed in Scripture to be. Three score and ten years. Seventy years. And some it is longer, of course, and some it is shorter. But that is what we take our life. So this life you're living now, this life you have here today, the breaths that you are taking in this service, this is the window. This is the time. This is the when. You cannot know if you have tomorrow. Only whilst you are here now. Now is the accepted time. As the apostle quotes from the Old Testament in Corinthians, for he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted. And in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. This is your opportunity. And you'll be given no other. This life is the only life you get to seek the Lord. Don't misuse it. But I want to think about the timing in another way too. That's a time frame, if you like. But we can speak about the timing of seeking and finding because the text gives us that. It gives us a when. And ye shall seek me and find me 
when ye shall search for me with all your hearts. Some of you here tonight, I believe you may have already in that way begun to seek the Lord. You have experienced something of seeking him in your lifetime. Some of you have sought the Lord in fits and starts even for decades. But has it been truly with your whole heart? I want to be careful here and I want you to listen guardedly, if you like, to this because it might sound like an awful condemnation for some of you. As if we're saying, oh, well, you were seeking him. Well, you didn't seek him hard enough. You didn't seek him well enough. You didn't seek him with your whole heart. That's why you're the way you are. That's why you're still lost. You didn't really try. You didn't really pray hard enough. You didn't really seek him long enough. Friends, this is not to be taken in that way. One of the most difficult and frustrating things when someone is seeking the Lord and it seems as if nothing is happening is being faced with that question, what did I do wrong? Then, of course, you can be sure that the enemy of your soul will say, it doesn't matter. You did everything right. You're just not one of the elect. Doesn't matter how hard you seek, it'll never happen for you. There's no point carrying on. You ever wondered when you asked the Lord of mercy upon you why you were not forgiven? Why you're not a Christian already? Jeremiah here is not condemning you. He is helping you to understand that. He is not hurting you or damaging you by telling you. It would be more damaging not to tell you what's wrong. Because when you know what's wrong then you're at least in a position to begin to see it fixed. Jeremiah is then reassuring all who tonight have ever tried to seek the Lord and failed that this does work. This text is not a lie. This promise is not futile. You can seek the Lord when you seek him with your whole heart. And when you seek him with your whole heart, you will find him. And I'm not trying to soften the text for the sake of a pastoral affection to my own congregation or to you who are here. But what is a whole heart? What is a whole heart? You go and ask anyone who's here who's a Christian. Ask them, did you seek the Lord? How did you seek the Lord? Did you seek him with some super seeking that I can't get to, some perfect seeking that I don't understand? And you'll soon find that we are ashamed when we look back at what we tried to think of at the time as our seeking of the Lord. You'll find that we're astonished that the Lord ever heard us because it was so poorly done. It may have been earnestly done. You can also find, even in our eyes, Looking back at our own seeking, we can see many flaws in it. You see that when it says here in our text, 
Search for me with all your heart. That does not imply or mean that this must be some kind of sinless and perfection of seeking the Lord. We can't do that. None of us can. You know the man's name and you'll know he's not the kind of man to needlessly soften a text. But John Calvin, in commenting on this passage, says, It does not mean perfection in seeking. He said instead it means integrity and sincerity. It means a genuine seeking of him. To find him and wanting to find him. And a whole heart then implies a united heart. A heart that is wholehearted in seeking him, that wants to find him. What is the greatest barrier is when we sort of know we should seek the Lord, but really we still want the world. That's not wholehearted. When we cry for a while, but really we're hoping we won't be answered, that's not wholehearted either. And you also see it is wholehearted and personal. Personal is very important here. It says here, the emphasis of the text, if we just read it, and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. There's a clue in the repetition of the text. (coughs) You shall seek for me. Do you want to find Jesus? Do you want him as your friend? Do you want him as your comforter? Do you want him as your counsellor? Do you want him as your priest and your king? Do you want him as your sacrifice and your covering? Do you want Christ? Have you been seeking? Have you? Has your seeking been a seeking for yourself? Or has it been a seeking of him? Because you may be a tormented seeker. Wondering where you're going wrong. Seek my Jesus. Seek for this blessed Saviour God. Do you really want him? Or have you before really just been willing to sort of, well, put up with Jesus to get a promise of an escape from hell. What is it that you've been seeking? Because when you seek him with your whole heart, that you will find him. It's Christ that you need to be seeking. Seek him. Seek the person. Seek the Lord Jesus Christ truly, sincerely, without a double heart that is half pulling back from Christ, and you will find him. When will you find Jesus? When you seek him with all of your heart. Then you will find him. And dear friends, don't take it ill 
when we say, if you have not found him, it is because you have not done that. We say that to help, not to hinder. If you seek him with your whole heart, you will find him. And that takes us to our third point, which is the way to seek the Lord. Promise first, and in the timing, but now the way. So then, how? How do you search for the Lord with all your heart? What does that mean? What does it mean? How do I do that? Well, the previous verse helps us to understand it. Verse 12 says, Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Prayer is in very many ways the most active part of our worship. Because in it we are not receiving the word read or the word preached, which is what we're doing just now. Nor are we returning, if you like, the words of the praise of our psalm to God as we sing it. But prayer is so active, it is an offering up of our needs and desires and wants to the Lord for things that are agreeable to his will. So it is a very active part of our worship and Notice that prayer and calling out to the Lord is here given in this way. Not a whiff of works comes into it. This is not a a string of things that we have done that are then presented to God as if that's a prayer. As if that forms some basis upon which we might negotiate a settlement between us and the Lord. None of that. It's just a, a full, hearty prayer. It's deep cries. And calling out to the one who is hearing you from heaven. Because there is no, there's no shortcut here. There's no substitute in seeking the Lord for prayer. You come, friend, and you come and hear the truth. You come and listen to the word of God. And we are always thankful Or the unsaved souls who come here each week. But then you must go and you must pray. You must leave this building at the end of this service. And take up what you have heard in your prayers. And cry out to the Lord of heaven for mercy upon your soul while there is time. And you plead the promises that he has given you. You pray. That is how you seek the Lord. You pray to him. You call upon him. You pray often and you pray always and you pray on. And you must not think, friends, that a short, brief sentence or two as you fall asleep with your head on the pillow is seeking the Lord. That's not the prayer of the seeker. The prayer of the seeker, he prays on until he has nothing left to pray until he's exhausted in his prayer, until he's exhausted his heart's desires in his prayer, and he collapses under it. Until you've used every argument you can think of, pleading with the Lord to show himself to you, to allow you to find him and lay hold upon him, 
to reveal himself, to give himself to you, that you might have him because you want him, because you need him, because you cannot go on without him. And then when you have pled yourself hoarse, then when you wake, you rise up and use the same arguments and the same prayers all over again. Because you're desperate not to get to the end of another day without having found him. It has to be with all your heart that you search for the Lord. Search for him. Seek after him. Go and explore until you find him. Go with the same groaning prayer day after day if you have to. Because seeking the Lord is not easy. It's not. Nothing here suggests that it's easy. It's not instant. It's not often quick. At times it's very discouraging. And many of the Lord's people have been through that. And they had to go through it. There was no other way. But for all it can be discouraging. For all it might take time. For all it is exhausting. It comes with a golden promise. And it's affixed to this wonderful blessing. Ye shall seek me and find me. And dear precious people here tonight, you know, we say this to you because we want you to know it is worth it. It's worth all the hardship and the heartache of seeking the Lord. It's worth even the the tears and the, the dried up voice because you've prayed all night. It's worth all the agonies and the doubts and the fears that he maybe will never hear you. It's worth it when you find him because he is worth it. He is worth seeking. And he is worth finding. And this promise that he makes, he is not lying. He's not lying to you. He's not lying to any one of you. He died upon the cross and gave himself up to the suffering and the torture of it. Even to the punishment of God himself upon his soul and to death. So that he could say with assurance... If you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. That's why he died. So there will be this gospel to preach to sinners. So we might assure you tonight that there's a saviour to find. And you find him always at the end of whole heart seeking. You go home tonight, friend, and you take God at his word and you seek him. I don't know when exactly it will be. But if you seek him, you'll find him. And you'll never be the same again. May God bless his word. Let us pray.